Hey everybody, Jake here. This episode was pre-recorded, which unfortunately means that we weren't yet up to speed on current events for when this airs. Thus, I'm chiming in now instead of at the end of the episode to direct you to the cause we'd like you to support this week. By now, I'm sure most of us are familiar with the attempted murder of Jacob Blake in Wisconsin. The top link in the description of this episode will take you to a GoFundMe organized by Jacob's mother to help him and his family through this intensely traumatic time. If you're able, please consider donating, and in any case, please share the link far and wide. If I know our audience at all, I know we can count on you to help. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Before it begins, however, here's a word from Kean of Wide Atlantic Weird. Hi folks, Kean here. From the Cabin in the Woods, located somewhere in the wilds of West Cork, we bring you the Wide Atlantic Weird podcast. It's an Irish podcast about why people believe weird things. Each episode, I open a book from my Library of the Strange here at the cabin and explore a real-life story of hauntings, monsters, UFOs, and conspiracies. I research all stories using first-hand accounts whenever possible to take a critical look at whatever the truth may be. If you'd like to join me at the cabin for a story, make sure you have a beverage at hand and search for White Atlantic Weird wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to your visit. Should we talk about anything else as far as Dare we stuff? begin a false cold? Jake, <laughs> how are you doing this opening. week, my friend? I'm good. Wyatt, how are you? I am. Welcome to Super Duperstitious, everybody. <laughs> the paranormal podcast about the science behind the spooky and the strange. I'm Jake. And I'm Wyatt. Welcome to the fourth and final week of... All together Mystery now. Guest. Join us. August... August. Around, around the, the world. world and mystery guest joined in very well uh-huh. and that mystery guest is derek sword oh hi everybody i didn't join it at all whoops <laughs> he did fine he was still getting off the plane because of course we are using tickets to travel the world this month <laughs> that's right we're all in the same place uh-huh. wink wink and that place is scandinavia this time that's right but before we very actually cold. talk about scandinavia stuff let's talk about Derek sword oh me Derek, who are you and why do we care <laughs> oh no uh <laughs> hi everybody i am uh Derek sword i am one of the co-hosts of the podcast monster crush we have very happily paired up with the wonderful gentleman here at super duperstitious to talk about some creepy spooky stuff because we do the same thing we're not that scientific about it we are more um romantic about it oh we look at monsters as a potential partners in a relationship <laughs> every episode we talk about a series of monsters in a very dating show style way uh where we don't reveal the monster's identity until the end but describe them 
sightings of them and uh, some qualities about them as if we were to potentially take this monster on a date. And then at the end, the debate for the episode, which I and my uh, lovely, lovely co-host Heavenly do alternate on that, we decide at the end what monster sounds most uh, appealing. So uh, if that sounds interesting to you, if you are a crypto wooologist, as <laughs> Heavenly likes to describe Ooh, that's herself, a good one. That's a good yeah, one. Uh, definitely check out uh, Monster Crush. And uh, I believe you gentlemen will be on our next episode getting some monsters th- thrown at you. You will be the bait. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for both of you. It's a horrifying seat to be in. I do hope that Heavenly brings some uh, wonderful, wonderful abominations, and I do hope you find your monster crush. Personal safety question: Do we have to fuck the monsters? <laughs> that is up to you. Um, what you do on your date is up to you. It's very bachelor uh, or bachelorette style uh, rules, where um, you know if if you want to save it for monster marriage, that's that's fine. <laughs> we don't ask. And you don't have to tell. Uh, but at the, on the alternate side of that, um, yeah, no, you do. Yeah. <laughs> I Great. will reserve my response and just say that I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> That's good. That's good. In fact, I think actually... I've already been there. I don't know when our episode's coming out, actually. Yeah, we'll what's see. The, what what's the timing of all this? <laughs> I believe we, we, we planned it so that this will come out before. So this is the advertisement. Okay, cool. right. Right. I Perfect. wanted to be sure I was like <laughs> making sense in time. Yeah, I believe it's first week in September. Um, check out cool. Monster Crush. Hey. It comes out on Wednesdays. And that's wherever podcasts are found, just like this one. And uh, if you enjoy it, we have a wonderful back catalog of tons and tons of spooky monsters and aliens and ghosts and horrifying miscellaneous abominations of Earth and the universe alike. Awesome. Great. Well, be sure to check them out. I will be doing that right after we finish this recording myself. I'm going to start listening to one right now. Uh, you guys go ahead to <laughs> yeah. the show. Yeah, no. No, that's great. Yeah. Um, leave a review uh, while you're at it. Uh, yeah, but I I guess we're talking about Scandinavia today. You you guys have been around the world mm-hmm. in this past month. So uh, I'm glad you're in these summer times, these dwindling summer times. You're going somewhere just to cool off a little bit. Somewhat That's literally. Right. And I do believe in this nice crisp air, as it is an even episode, Jake, mm. I go first? Nope. No. Derek goes first. You go first. You can go first. Anyone can go first except Wyatt. I could go first. We could go me, let's Derek, make, Let's you. make a Derek sandwich out of it. Yeah. So we'll, we'll bookend you, Derek, and you'll be fine with it. And here we go. <laughs> I, I like bookend better than Derek sandwich, but that's... <laughs> that's right. That's just me, I guess. <laughs> Alrighty. I will be talking about a place called Nidaros Cathedral. I'm already probably pronouncing it incorrectly. Hmm. I'm going to take us there by reading from a ghost blog that uses as its only source a different ghost blog. That, my (laughs) friends, is research. Does that mean it's double ghost written, or is this... That is a very good question. The Nidaros Cathedral, or Nidaros Domen, is uh, in Norwegian. I'm already just doing great. Is an is an imposing medieval cathedral built in 1070 as the final resting place of King Olaf II of Norway, who was killed in 1030 in the Battle of Stiklestad. King Olaf was canonized as Saint Olaf a year later by the Bishop of Nidaros, which was later confirmed by the Pope. 
It was designated the Cathedral of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Nidaros from its establishment in 1152 until its abolition in 1537 under the Reformation. Derek, do you know anything about uh, St. Olaf? Um, I, I do know a little bit about St. Olaf. Um, I am not the uh, the medieval expert that mm. uh, uh, that Ellie is currently. Brother of St. Pilaf, I believe. Yes, the saint of, of rice dishes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do know that St. Olaf is actually one of the few uh, European rulers to have been canonized uh, in addition to uh, St. Louis, who, of course, is where uh, St. Louis got its mm-hmm. name. So there are uh, very, very few rulers who actually were, were canonized. I think they actually might be the only two. There, there might be hmm. one or more that might have lost their canonization, mm-hmm. but... Yeah. And St. Olaf is a snowman brought to life, correct? Yes. Cool. All right. Friends with Elsa. That's uh, right. <laughs> since the Reformation, Nidaros Cathedral has served as the cathedral of the Lutheran bishops of Trondheim, or Nidaros, in the diocese of Nidaros. Trondheim is the third largest city in Norway. Uh, one reliable witness account was printed in the newspaper, often posted in 1930. Hmm. Bishop's wife by the name of Marie Giedich during a church service in 1924, saw a most unusual sight. As the priest was singing a hymn, she saw an apparition of a medieval monk first standing in an archway in the cathedral, the figure's sad, bright blue eyes locked with hers. She says, quote, He had a tonsure and wore a monk's robe. His face was beautiful, with sharp lines and glowing eyes. The monk walked right through one of the choir members attending the mass. While the priest was in front of the altar, the monk moved behind him. Alarmed, Mary saw this figure place its hands around the priest's throat and begin to choke him, which what from behind hell? is pretty hard to do. Others in the church saw his hands encircle the priest's neck, but they did not see the rest of him. Then he raised his head, and the woman, Marie, saw that he had a stripe of blood on his throat. Marie, repelled by the sight of blood dripping from his slashed throat, averted her eyes downward, only to look up a moment later, see the monk standing in the area near the church archway again. Despite the blood, she described him as being young and very good-looking. It's an odd uh, energy to bring to this. Yeah, you just saw some strange slit-throated apparition trying to strangle your priest. Did nothing, but he's kind of hot. Revulsed, and then you look back and you're like, I would hit it, though. The the details of it were just like, oh, there's blue eyes, though. I I, I know he's trying to strangle the leader of our religion and church right now. I can't look, but I can't look away. Can't look away. Uh, she said, um, I looked back up. Uh, the monk was standing with his arms crossed. Then he just disappeared. The priest who conducted the service later stated he had gotten a feeling of desperation and then a sense that something was stuck in his throat. Part Whoa. of the legend is that Marie also saw this apparition remove its head from its bloody body before it disappeared, which is a totally different thing from what she says. Like, oh, actually, no, she saw him fully remove his head and then disappear as opposed to just cross detail. his arms. Little, a little bit of a bearing the lead there, I guess, but yeah, a little yeah, bit. It's a very ghosty thing to do, though. Like, if you need to really unsettle <laughs> yeah. somebody, just <laughs> pull it off, put it on a platter, carry yeah. it around, do a, a full haunted mansion thing with it. It's true, exactly. <laughs> I see we both looked at the same uh, pamphlets for ghost school <laughs> entry level class. It's, it's haunting 101. It's everybody. offered, yeah. I think it's not the first week, but it's easily week two or three. Well, it's and, in the handbook um, of the recently deceased, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Formerly taught by uh, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, exactly. Okay, that's two Master of us. We can't. Scares. No more. No more. Okay, that's two of them. We're <laughs> uh, just asking for it at this point. 
Various witnesses over the years have seen this monk in the cathedral, in these smaller chapels, and also outside near the cemetery. Yet other church members have seen the monk's hands reach out and choke other people. It seems. Hubba, hubba, hubba. It seems this is how he shows displeasure with people he does not like, which is a very strong way to react. Yeah, he really real. likes. Maybe he's just giving you one of those good old throat hugs. <laughs> you know? Exactly. How are you supposed to do it? <laughs> uh, some claim they have even conversed with this ghostly monk, where I guess he would say something along the lines of, hey, can I squeeze your throat? They say, no, thank you. And then he disappeared by taking <laughs> off his head. Does it anyway. <laughs> Uh, recent accounts also mention inexplicable chanting and organ music as heard coming from the Nadaros Cathedral late at night. I'm sure they could explain it. Phantom of the Nadaros. Another ongoing phenomenon in this church is seen in one small basement room. This room is so low, people cannot stand upright in it. <sighs> Early in the cathedral's history, the basement was used as a tomb for prominent figures from Trondheim. Ever since, mm. people have spotted rose petals scattered across the small room's floor. So I guess it was used for starring dead important people and also uh, romancing other people. <laughs> I guess. This, this ghost has some like very weird sexual energy to it. I was going to say, <laughs> I know, this is very much in line with what we've been hearing so far. Blue eyes, into choking, <laughs> into choking rose which, petals. Hey, exactly. Also removes the head, which seems like it could be yeah. useful for certain things. Yeah. <laughs> When, re- uh, when recent witnesses have inquired about these petals, they are told that they just appear. It seems once a week, fresh rose, petal, uh, petals? rose petals appear and the <sighs> wilted close. ones disappear. No one knows who does this. The entrance to this room is always kept barred and locked. It just feels like there's like one guy who's cleaning them up. They're like, nobody knows who does this. And he's just in the back like, it's me. <laughs> yeah. I'm the rose petal guy. They're like, shh, 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 It's shh, Gerald. Shh, shh. I do this. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know what this kind of sounds like to mm-hmm. me um, is if, if any of you have played Skyrim before or are uh, familiar with, uh, with Nordic lore, uh, a Draugr, mm. which oh, is yeah. uh, a, a Nordic kind of zombie spirit. They're, they're not as uh, physical as they're depicted in Skyrim, but they are normally, they're almost like a mix between a zombie and a ghost because they have an incorporeal form and can even change shape. They, they can become giant size, but they do feature these very bright blue eyes, which is something Skyrim got right, hmm. um, and tend to just torment people in a very ghostly way, which it does absolutely sound like this guy, like somebody's just leaving horror movies on <laughs> in, in a room and he's like, yeah. oh, play the organ at night. <laughs> Got it. Um, but then there's also another room where they're just playing porn, and he's like, rose petals and choking. Got it. <laughs> but but yeah, like, uh, Draugr were, were known for doing what's called riding the roof, which was mm-hmm. basically just them stomping on, on the roof when people are trying to sleep. Uh, right. But then Draugr will also just straight up murder you and your, your cattle and your entire family. Oh, no. Um, which sounds like he's trying his best and, and not doing there. a great job. <laughs> yeah. Is that at all similar to a Gengonger? That was something that I looked up. Uh, I was considering doing for this week, but it didn't end up doing. And it sounds similarly like it's somewhere between zombie and ghost in Scandinavia and seems like it's kind of annoying. Oh, wait, here we go. The Viking Age Gengonger, also called Draugr. Answered my own question. Thanks, Wikipedia. Hey. There you go. I, I will say it's probably not a Draugr because the, the one way uh, that the Eddas tell us to, to get rid of Draugr is to behead them and burn them. Mm. And if he's taking his own head off, then he's just <laughs> he's just making it easy at that point. And uh, yeah, definitely doesn't have the corporeal form if, his, if he's walking through uh, chorus members and <laughs> failing to strangle priests. 
just making them feel a little like, oh, that wasn't great. I didn't like that. Just a little, yeah. <laughs> Spreading apprehension. Do you guys think, how boring was that sermon where just like if, if a ghost comes up, like if you're public speaking and a spirit awakens from the dead to try to strangle you. To spice it bad. up a bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Make it a little more interesting, okay? Yeah. And for so few people to actually be like, oh, geez, there is a ghost trying to kill the priest right now. Like, they couldn't have been paying close attention. That's so, right. Yeah, they had checked That's out. That's the other thing. Maybe everybody's like, yeah, do it, do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody got up. Everybody's like, yeah. And then if I'm honest, do me. Am I right? <laughs> it goes looking Take all right. Take your weird rose petal basement <laughs> where you can't dungeon. stand up in. Carry on, Jake. <laughs> this ghost story about this monk is so popular in Norway that it was made into a television series and it Ooh. inspired Frid Ingolstadt's novel, The Monk, in 1991. Is this also the inspiration for the movie Ghost? <laughs> there was some reaching from behind kind of thing. He going would on. strangle the pottery from behind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Blue eyes. I'm, I'm not sure what kind of novel the monk actually is either. If that's like the kind of pulp paperback you'd pick up at a grocery store or or what, but my guess is maybe. I hope it's not what we like Americanized into the nun. Um, <laughs> Where a lot of times you see that where it's like, hey, here's this really great story. We're going to change everything about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Based on. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so true. Also, in the same year King Harald and Queen Sonia were consecrated in Nadaros Cathedral, Trondheim, on uh, 23rd June, following the tradition introduced by King Olaf in 1958. That's the whole sentence. All right. Um, oh, I guess that the, the, uh, I guess the does, word does was actually... Fully? I th- I read were as not the action verb of the sentence, but in fact uh, descri- more descriptive. So that yeah, the same year that happened, I guess they were they were thrown in there. Cool. Several historians claim that uh, that this cathedral was never connected to any order of monks. Regardless, the tales of the bloody monk live on to this day. Wow. I love ghost stories like that, where it's like, yeah, no, there's this uh, this woman in white who lives here. You can see her walking down the stairs, and then there's a guy who's like, I've lived here. My my family's lived here for hundreds of years. We've never had a woman here, and women definitely don't wear white. There's there's no possibility that a woman could have died here in a white dress. Stop making shit up. Yeah, there are no monks here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so true. They said that like some people thought they saw the hands, but not the rest of the monk. But she saw this full on monk. His neck was bleeding. He took his head off. All this stuff. Full like full on. It seems like maybe she was kind of drifting off while the sermon was happening. Maybe. Hmm. And then after it's like, hey, I saw this thing. People are like, oh, I might have saw something weird. I had some hands. I don't know. Um, a little bit of wishful thinking there. Yeah. yeah. But the rose petals are definitely just happening and uh, good for them. But it is, as we already know, Gerald's fault, I believe was his name. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. Ger- Gerald, the weird janitor. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's his title. Yeah, which I, I wonder if that was a place where where the dead were stored. You would think, well, especially they're doing it in the basement because, uh, especially in a Scandinavian country, it's a, a, a natural cold locker. Mm-hmm. But the presence of flowers might even be reminiscent of using flowers to try to mask the smell. Mm-hmm. It was before Glade plugins, for sure. <laughs> yes, yes. They had nowhere to plug it in. Um, <laughs> so if, if you think even if those are being spectral, it might just be uh, kind of a time slip memory sort of thing mm-hmm. that that this is all supposed to be reminiscent of when the dead were actually uh held there for for you know temporary preservation purposes mm. Gerald's in the background i just think it's nice i just keep <laughs> doing it yeah <laughs> just zhuzh up the space just a little <laughs> just bit zhuzh it up <laughs> 
Which is, of course, another Scandinavian word for coziness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can get the zhuzh, which is a very nice desk from Ikea. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, very cool, Jake. Is that is that that's, your tale? That's all I got. Well, then get the fuck out of here and make some room for Derek. <laughs> cool. Hey, everybody. It's me now. It's my turn. Before we jump to Derek, actually, Derek, would you care to help us out with... Uh, I would love to. Something that we simply must bring up which is a little brewery in western massachusetts a little place where they combine help me with this guys elements of uh D&D, D&D, heavy, heavy metal, metal and, and, and uh, beer. beer you did it all right i that's all you really need in life it's the big the big three the the pyramid you know they have the health pyramid or whatever <laughs> your uh maslow's uh laws of health or whatever it is what am i talking about <laughs> yeah uh and D we call that a d4 <laughs> d4 <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's something that I would I would refer to myself. Maybe it's just me as beer. That's mm-hmm. what they make. Speaking of D four, four phantoms. <laughs> hey, um, a very fun brewery in New uh, New England area. What am I talking about? Let me try this again. We've four done phantoms. this before, right, Wyatt? <laughs> I've done this before. This is a million times. I've done it too many times. Jake, you take it away. Uh, it's a brewery in Western Mass that is great and fun, and uh, they make <laughs> beer. We drink the beer. You should drink the beer. They have some new beers, and you should know about them. Those are Battle Jacket, which is a pilsner. It's a crispy companion for bonfires and eternal worship of the unholiest rifts. Features oh what looks like a lich with like um, some serious like jean jacket vibes going on, wailing oh, awesome. on a really scary guitar. Uh, D&D heavy metal and beer. I get it. (laughs) And they also have uh, their latest version of Johnny Flip Flops. It's a mojito sour. Ooh. So that's a good summer beer. They got some key lime going on there. Is it like a sour demon summoned to scour? Johnny Flip Flops returns. Ooh, I like that. They got 10 pounds per barrel of key lime puree and a special blend of mint going on in there. To get the whole mojito effect, really cool stuff all out there to find. Uh, Wyatt, you can take it from there as far as what the deal is. With how beer... I don't know where you get it. Where is it, Wyatt? This can be got in stores in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, I do believe. So check in with your local dealers. Um, Also, if you are within driving distance of Western Massachusetts, Four Fandoms is available for curbside pickup. So reach out to them and you can set something up. Uh, Derek, what D&D class or race would you uh, most like to see in a beer oh um typically how i play my D characters is like if boromir survived and was less of a dick all right so i i like my my paladins my clerics anything with a shield and something heavy to hit with maybe a little magic i would love to see a kenku warlock which i think we found or if you hmm. into um some of your hoppier beers Maybe a bugbear rogue would be Ooh. my monster races. And I love I love monsters. It makes sense. Uh, but yeah, a bugbear rogue is uh, a way overpowered combination of. How races. would it hide? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they they are they are good at stealth and have long limb and can kill absolutely everything. They have a natural sneak attack and just like the beer Ooh. would naturally sneak flavor into mm. and <laughs> uh, and and give you a good. Uh, extra of 1d6 of of flavor we're gonna have to bring you back every week to do these ads with us because yeah <laughs> or what yeah 1d6 percent alcohol there you go <laughs> aka 45 <45%. laughs> percent oh no <laughs> it's moonshine it's just straight moonshine. <laughs> um that sounds very good what beer would that be if you could put one to it 
If I was going to stick with the the bugbear rogue, um, probably a Russian imperial. Ooh. I think would be good choice. Kind of, kind of like a heavier. Uh, I, I love my winter beers, and I think a Russian oh, yeah. imperial is kind of that that great mix of like late fall, early winter, uh, a lot of flavor and um, a little little hair of the bugbear on there. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Drew, you have no excuse. Hope you've been taking notes. Yep. Yeah. Winter's coming. You know what you need to make now, and you know who you need to credit. Derek Sower. That is correct. It's me. Please don't <laughs> become their sponsor now. <laughs> Come sponsor. But I'll understand Christ. it. I'll understand it if you if you want to go. We'll go. To, we'll go to Massachusetts. We'll drink your beer. We'll do it. <laughs> One of us is in Oregon. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's always Oregon somewhere. <laughs> oh, but there you have it. Yeah, now we'll turn over to Derek. Take it away. All right. Well, guys, I wanted to bring uh, uh, I wanted to bring one monster this week, and in so doing, brought two. I wanted to bring a, a couple of monsters that are very near and dear to my heart because one of my favorite favorite monsters uh, in in the whole world is Nessie. Uh, obviously, Ooh. Nessie is not in Scandinavia, but Nessie is a lake monster, and I love lake monsters. They are the perfect confluence of some of my worst fears all in one. I am horrifically uh, thalassophobic. Uh, I am scared of what lies beneath the water mm. and, and things that would eat me. But and hey, that's, that, that's all those things. Uh, yeah, what lies beneath with Harrison Ford? Excellent. <laughs> yeah. um, no lake monsters in that. Just a, a weird ghost and uh, an abusive stepmom, I think. But <laughs> the lake monsters that I wanted to bring are both Scandinavian. I actually started with a Swedish one, and then in my research realized, oh, I'm forgetting a Norwegian one. Um, so I figured I might as well talk about both. Please do. The first one uh, I want to talk about is Stores Your... <laughs> let, let me try this again, because it is a very Swedish word. Stor Weir Ojordet and, uh, or uh, Stor Weir Ojorden if you are talking about multiple, which ah. there might be. Everybody get that at home? We will just call uh, this monster Storsey, which is the, uh, the nickname for it. Uh, I won't make you repeat uh, Store Weir Ojordit. Uh, Store Weir Ojordit. Yeah, there you go. Hey. Uh, its its name is actually uh, a portmanteau of sorts. Uh, in a mm. lot of northern languages, uh, northern European languages, uh, especially like Swedish and German, you can make a word by combining already existing words. Uh, one of my favorite German words is Krankenwagen, which is the what you call an ambulance, and it's the... It's the combination of kronk, which means sick, and wagon, which is wagon. It's no. a sick wagon. Um, <laughs> so this is a uh, Storsbier or Jordit is a portmanteau of the words um, stores, which means big or great, hmm. or yurd, which is lake, and urdit, uh, which is beast or monster, uh, mm-hmm. or actually most translates directly to unanimal, which I think is a, a fun fun word that's a cool uh, word so yeah it, and and the swedish when they're actually speaking in english refer to this uh they don't call it storsi they call it the great lake monster that's just what it is mm-hmm. uh so storsi has about 400 years of sightings and what i find most fascinating about storsi and the other lake monster we're going to talk about is when you think of like lake monsters you think of nessie you might think of champ from lake champlain uh ogopogo and a lot of the sightings of them talk about them being plesiosaur-like. You know, the, the long neck, big body, flippers. Not the case for the predominant, the, the, the heavier-weighted sightings in Scandinavia. Hmm. In Scandinavia, lake monsters 
are more serpentine. They are sea monsters and lakes. Mm. There are some sightings which talk about them being plesiosaur-like. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times with lake monsters, you'll get like, the, oh, it had like fur. And then everybody else is like, no, it, it didn't. What are you talking about? So there's a couple of people like, yeah, it's all plesiosaur. But most people talk about yeah, uh, it's all a type. Yeah, yeah, no, we all did. I mean, that's, we, we know. <laughs> but uh, most people talk about um, snake-like undulating um, that they, when they see humps or they'll actually even see like the snake-like form kind of twisting uh, vertically up through the water, which would create the humps. And they, they see that for both of these animals, uh, which we'll kind of talk about how culturally that might be uh, a difference between why they're seeing that and everybody else is seeing something else in different mm-hmm. parts of the world if these if these animals um, are real or even aren't. Mm-hmm. So Storsi uh, is, uh, they say it's it's more than 10 meters long. Uh, typically black or gray, humped, very dragon-like, very fast. Uh, it says a head of like a horse or a dog. Mm. And it's the the interesting thing about Storsi is it is reported at least once or twice every year. Uh, every year since wow. probably since modern media, so since like the '60s, one or two sightings every single year will will appear in the newspaper. And a lot of the people who are interviewed about Storsi will say, well, those are just the people coming forward. You know, there's probably many more people who are seeing this creature right. that aren't coming forward for obvious reasons. Storsi lives in the fifth largest lake in Sweden. Hmm. Um, but uh, even though it's somewhat smaller than the, the other larger lakes in Sweden, it is actually one of the deepest. Um, so uh. at the end of the Ice Age, about 9,000 years ago, um, the lake was formed, which, once again, I wish I had that. Lake Storsen. There you go. Uh, so Lake Storsen was, was formed at the, the end of the last ice age. Is that age. essentially Lake Bigness? Uh, it is It is Lake Lake, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's, Lake it's, Lake. It's, it is Great Lake, great I think, is, is, the, is the name of it, which um, I think the local mayor even talks about how Lake Storsen has some mountains nearby, so he described that Lake Storsen is like the Great Lakes of America, but smaller. And we have mountains like the Himalayas, but smaller. <laughs> Come to our city. Uh, and the city is Oosterstund. Um, it's actually nicknamed the center of Sweden, so you can kind of imagine it's at the center of Sweden. I can't, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't pull up a map or anything. I'm not making this up at all. But yeah, so fifth largest lake, uh, it has... Uh, it's about 464 square kilometers, which is about 180 square miles, has depths of about 74 meters or 242 feet, uh, which in comparison, since I will, I listed that, Loch Ness is uh, about 21 miles, almost 22 miles in, in area, and mm-hmm. has a maximum depth of um, 744 feet mm-hmm. or, or 226 meters. So it's, it's a you know, if you're comparing, like, oh, there may be this monster here, or there may be this monster there, it kind of gives you a, a point of reference there. So, 464 mm-hmm. square kilometers versus mm-hmm. it's it's bigger than Loch Ness. It's almost twice mm-hmm. the size of Loch Ness. Quite. And if you're going to look at uh, Lake Champlain, is uh, 124 miles long and has a max depth of 400 feet. Mm. So it's it's even bigger than than Lake Champlain. Wow. So yeah, if you're going to think like, oh, these monsters are real, but stories you can take a swim uh it, it has a, a little more i was gonna say that <laughs> rationality yeah that's that's a saying take a swim 
<laughs> so the first recorded sighting of this lake monster actually appears in Christian writings from the 17th century. It was written in about 1650s mm. and describes um, there was a vicar in the area who uh, describes a sighting that he had on the lake. And in 1894, actually, a member of Swedish parliament uh, swore that he saw the creature and uh, oh. even used government money to take some of his friends out on the lake in boats with guns, trying to what? hunt the monster, but said it was too fast. Of course it was. <laughs> yeah. So the Swedish king uh, even funded hunts, uh, I believe, in the 1980s. Okay. Uh, and they still have some of the 1980s. tools of the trade. Oh, my God. Carry on. No, you're good. So Some of the tools of the trade, uh, which are still displayed in the local museum, including a large, like, circular, almost like a bear trap, which was meant to, like, go around the thing's neck. <laughs> oh. It's so optimistic. <laughs> it's it's a hole in the middle of, like, a, a, you know, hundreds of miles of a lake, and, like, no, it's it's going to be this. Which... We're going to do it. It's so, <laughs> what an outlook on life. I want that experience. <laughs> which the interesting thing about Lake Storson is it is actually frozen for most of the year mm -hmm. um so the size of this big creature, old hole and stick that thing down inside of it and wait <laughs> yeah so there actually was a guy they have a harpoon where they said that a guy just cut a hole in the ice with a harpoon just waiting for it to swim by so he oh. could stab it and that's still on display too it's so terrible yeah, logic assuming the thing needs to breathe actual air right so that's one of the things to it is if this thing is like a plesiosaur which was an air breathing animal as far as we know is it hibernating during the winter? Is it freezing during the winter? As some frogs tend to do. You know, what, what is what is this thing? How is it surviving during the winter? Because Ostersted is is known for skiing. That's like its, its biggest thing. So winter sports are massive around the area. And the lake completely freezes over to the point where you can walk from one end to the other uh, without falling through reliably uh, for like three quarters of the year. It's only in the summer that it thaws. And that's when the sightings of Storsey are, are most predominant. Obviously, it's not pumping, popping up through the ice. So, actually, I mentioned the museum. There is also a um, preserved embryo of a lake monster in the museum oh, in, like, ooh. formaldehyde. It was gifted in 1986 on April 1st. So, it was <laughs> gifted on April Fool's Day. So... You know, take that for what it is. It's just a Cadbury yeah. cream egg inside of a jar. <laughs> yeah, it, it actually does look like a plesiosaur. It, it's not. It's not an egg. It's actually like a little um, fetus-looking thing. Ah. Yeah, fe fetal-looking creature with like you know, it looks like a plesiosaur. Anybody really try to so. taste it a little bit, or is it? <laughs> yeah, just take a chug of that formaldehyde. You'll be fine. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that's a challenge somewhere. Not, not the formaldehyde so much as the monster meat itself. <laughs> Be, be the first person to take a bite of plesiosaur. That'd be it's a claim to fame right there. I would damage a sample for that kind <laughs> of status. Go. Tastes like catfish. Tastes like catfish. Uh, so one of the the biggest connections of this monster, where the, where the history goes back, is there is a runestone, which comes from the Viking Age, which is a very loose term. Even the term Viking doesn't really describe a group of people. It describes kind of like a culture which extended in weird periods of time and intervals and not even in one given space. Because uh, even when we talk about Scandinavia, a lot of people forget like Iceland is part of Scandinavia. Mm -hmm, it's not connected, right. but it is. So yeah, it was about 1050 to 1070 is when this runestone was carved. It's a standing runestone uh, on an island at the center of the lake. And uh, the runestone tells the story of Ostersund and uh, the Christianization of the area. But the way that the runes are carved is actually inside the body of uh, a serpent-like 
creature, which, you know, you, you guys actually may have seen this pops up on the History Channel a lot. Pops up mm. any time you're talking about lake monsters. Like, oh, somebody carved a lake monster because there's a lake monster. And the, the interesting thing about it is it's one of the only runestones that features this type of creature. No other runestones have been found which show this draconic-looking sea serpent. So they're like, oh, they put it here for a reason. The other creature I wanted to talk about, and we'll we'll get into the Viking thing at the end of this, mm-hmm. is uh, Selma, which is the, the monster of Siljord. Uh, huh. which, uh, is, uh, Siljord is a town uh, which is about 200 kilometers, about 125 miles uh, from Oslo. It's located in southern Norway, mm-hmm. and uh, Seljord Lake is uh, 16 square miles or 6 square miles. So a much, much smaller body of water than than any of these other ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people think, like, well, that's a clear indicator that nothing large could live in this, this body of water. But it does go 150 meters deep, about 500 feet. And once again, uh, Selma, much like its Swedish cousin, is a sea serpent. It's it's not uh, often described as a plesiosaur. Once again, it does undulate through the water. Uh, said to be 15 to 25 meters, 50 to 65 feet long, which is fucking terrifying. <laughs> Actually, the, the local mayor even built Sea Serpent Tower, which is, uh, if you ever get a chance uh, to look up Sea Serpent Tower in uh, Seljord, it is a very strange-looking... Hmm like cubic geometric building but the tower was specifically built to look out on the lake and that is where if you were going to look for this creature like if you're a tourist you you climb up the square not circular stairs but they do go around the building and you go up to the viewing area to look for for sea monsters but hmm. yeah the selma was had another story in the 18th century so the 1750s uh, it was said that a, a man who was rowing uh, a boat with another in tow had the monster attack him and capsized the boat behind him. What? Once again, this is another lake that is frozen over three quarters of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Selma is also seen mostly in summer. Yet yeah, the the city coat or coat of arms actually uh, features Selma, which was changed in 1989. So their their coat of arms is uh, is a red shield with a, a gold serpent on it awesome it's kind of fun i like that yeah yeah it's I, I think it's it's interesting to really embrace these and and whenever you know they do interviews with the people everybody has a story um a lot a couple of people i shouldn't say a lot actually have stories of direct interactions with these monsters hmm. there are uh, a couple of fishermen who directly say that the monster tried to like capsize their boat or came after them while they were swimming <laughs> and they're like yeah i'll never go in the water again yeah right. <laughs> it's great <laughs> so no direct attacks there's there's obviously you know nobody's gone missing or has been eaten or chomped at or anything like that but it, there is a certain antagonism to mm-hmm. these creatures mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah there is one guy who's like yeah it, it came up under our boat twice nearly flipped us over and i'll never go in the water again <laughs> yeah I, I should actually mention uh Storcy was a um was a protected animal from 1986 until the the law protecting it was revoked in 2005, uh, which I think <laughs> is fascinating. I, I, I love that. Uh, I, I don't know. It was probably, you know. Open season? <laughs> that's It was either somebody who really wanted hunting or somebody's like, government is too cluttered. There's, there's <laughs> too many laws and this, this one protecting sea monsters is garbage. I think it was them really saying, guys, we can all agree it's time to kill Storcy. <laughs> It's it's time again. Yeah, they tried hunting it in the eighties, and that's like right. Actually, it it is. It's nineteen eighty six is when they they made it a protective species. So the king literally said like, okay, you can hunt this thing, and then they failed, and he's like, all right, you know what? You don't get to hunt this anymore. It's protected <laughs> it's now. Protected, and now they're like, let's bust that freaking giant collar back out. 
<laughs> yeah, they still I want have a large it. aquatic pet. At the very least, I know of a really good monk we could hire to grab his neck yeah, if we needed to. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you can't grab it. What's wrong? You can't grab it. He'll make um, it look good, though, at least. Make it feel sad for a second. Yeah. While it tries to sing in the choir. <laughs> so the interesting thing to, to talk about, the, the Viking or Nordic culture, uh, finally, mm-hmm. is uh, when you think about the, the monsters, once again, how we, we see plesiosaurs in... We, we think we see plesiosaurs in Loch Ness, uh, Lake Champlain, Ogopogo, but in Scandinavia, they're often serpentine. If you look at the cultural uh, history of the Nordic peoples, they are not the ones who had European dragons. If you, it's, if you especially look at Norse mythology, there is, I think, one major dragon, which is Nidhogg, uh, which was the dragon that chewed on the roots of the world tree and was a mm. real big dick. Classic. <laughs> Which we'll talk about Nidhogg probably on an upcoming Monster Crush episode because he also has a frenemy squirrel and an enemy eagle, and it's amazing. <laughs> Ooh, that's a TV show right there. <laughs> it really is. But the the major antagonist in in Norse mythology, the the creature that kills Thor and Ragnarok at the end of the world, is the Jormungan serpent. It is the mm-hmm. Midgard serpent. It's a giant serpent which is so large it encircles the world. And if you even think about the design of, you know, Viking ships, how they featured the dragon head mm-hmm. on, on the bow, you know, are these uh, cultural influences impacting what these people are seeing? Because, you know, maybe they're seeing a sea monster, but maybe they're not. And if they're not, is this this history, this oral history, but also this now written and well-recorded history, uh, impacting what people are seeing and causing these uh, cultural differences. I like that very much. Yeah. Come on, please. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, you know, a lot of theories for these creatures ha- have come up as opposed to, you know, if, if they are real, are they animals that are somehow able to hibernate during the winter? Are they able to, you know, is the freezing process something that has become part of their nature? Because mm-hmm. the, both of these lakes were carved out by glaciers. Are these animals which were deposited there uh, when the from inside of a glacier, <laughs> yeah, are they are they basically like getting frozen? Are they cryogenically <laughs> freezing themselves um, every year and somehow able to live hundreds of years because of that? That's you a know? huge strategy. Yeah, they are they are doing like an, they're repeating the Walt Disney process just over and over <laughs> and over. Yeah, other theories are obviously these are schools of fish or large fish or eels. Both of these lakes have have. Uh, eel populations, and even you know some recorded very large eel populations. Uh, and even we look at Loch Ness. Uh, one of the main theories is that it's either an eel or a very large catfish, which they have found catfish. And once again, we talk about this on a recent mm. episode of Monster Crush. Mm. They they have found catfish that are several hundred pounds and Oof. like six feet long. And, like, that is a literal monster. I mean, catfish will eat anything. That will eat you. It's also plenty big enough that if you were to see that unexpectedly, you might think that the famous catfish bristles along its head and upper body might be something like hair. So, at a quick glance, oh, it was like a dog or a horse or some other kind of furry animal where really it's just a big old fish. That's an excellent point. And even there was a a recent um, photo of um, the Loch Ness Monster, which it turns out was just somebody photoshopping one of the giant catfish that was found in Loch Ness into a photo because they, they were able to match the, the spots on the back of a catfish, which are actually unique mm-hmm. to every different catfish. Mm-hmm. Their, their identifiers oh, are the same so way cool. the zebra stripes are. So they, they were able to say like, oh, well, you clearly photoshopped it from this guy who's holding up like a 200-pound <laughs> catfish, which right. props to that guy. Yeah, for real. 
but yeah, you know, the other arguments are what if it's just detritus, you know, your your logs, floating tires, garbage, whatever. Um, yep, pods yep. of seals uh, are mm-hmm. actually known uh, if they're traveling like as in groups and pods. When they kind of jump through the water, they make a small arc. And if you have enough of them in almost a line, it can almost look like humps right. in the water. And actually, they, they showed on one of the documentaries I was watching uh, how uh, a bird flying very low over the water mm-hmm. or even fish moving through the water can create a wake. Mm-hmm. where it does. There's no boat around where the wake come from. And it looks very much like what you might think, like, oh, there's, some, there's something big Just there. Just underneath. Right. So yeah, mm-hmm. wakes from boats, marine life, yeah, flying birds. And yeah, the other arguments are... If, if these things do exist, if they mm-hmm. exist as, as natural animals, where's their food supply? There's no physical evidence. Oh, how are they surviving? Where are they coming from? Yeah, people aren't really sure. Uh, oh, the, the other thing I forgot. Um, moose swimming in, in the lake. Oh, that I was going to say moose, another big yeah. thing, how a moose head yes, can... Yeah, they're we massive that animals. on uh, one episode ages ago. Yeah, I mean, they, they if you talk about a monster having a horse head, there's a... You get a, a you know a moose with no antlers, female uh, moose, uh, cow, I think it's the cow yep, indeed, female moose. correct. Yeah, that can very much look like a, a monster, and they are monsters, but just They're, you know yeah, the kind true. we know about. Yeah, yeah, we've identified them fully. I've seen things about like the idea of the Loch Ness monster maybe being a moose because of the, the reports of someone seeing what looked like a horse crossing in front of their car and then walking out and swimming into the water, but it mean, seems a lot more likely in Scandinavia for there to be a moose swimming across the lake because that's prime moose habitat way up north like that they live all across all around the world kind of in that sort of arctic circle ish area and they're weird looking they are (laughs) yes yes they are (laughs) and you know to once again because you know i come from monster crush we absolutely love monsters we want them to be real um other arguments for for where this creature is is coming from or going to is that of course these lakes do connect back to the ocean proper in in major ways and you know one of the bigger arguments for loch ness it's like yeah loch ness does but there's certain parts of of you know the rivers that connect to the ocean that are so shallow and so narrow that no large animals could travel through mm. And yet there are recordings of people who say that they've seen, you know, a plesiosaur like on the road, just like sunbathing or on the beach. Or, you know, there's a a Scottish motorcyclist who said that he nearly hit Nessie as it was crossing the road. So are are those creatures able to travel? Obviously, a sea serpent would have a little bit more problem, but are they able to form a big circle? (laughs) <laughs> just yeah. bite out of their tail and spin around. And then, of course, I will throw this theory out because um, just to get full crazy on this, uh, there's the theory, of course, that these animals are the uh, ghosts True. of prehistoric animals, which is one of my favorite theories for cryptids <laughs> yeah. is that um, Bigfoot is just the ghost of Neanderthal, hmm. uh, which is why why we can't or pre, you know prehistoric human ancestors. So, yeah, maybe Nessie is just a, a prehistoric monster or maybe it comes through time slips. There that, you go. Uh, I was just going to yeah, ask. Yeah, does do any of these um, lake bound monsters? Because that's the thing for me. I subscribe more to the large hairy hominid stuff than the lake monster stuff. Sure. In part because I feel like the possibility of something dispersing around the globe through terrestrial locomotion is more plausible than miraculously lake hopping or being sort of divvied out into just the lakes. 
Well, you know what it is? It's aliens. It's aliens that are picking them up and dropping <laughs> yeah, them off. Exactly. Just, just like they do with Bigfoot. But I would wonder <laughs> if they Come on, Wyatt. I, you see, now, I just got to try harder. <laughs> <laughs> you have to open your mind and open then just... Open your mind. You, open the door to your mind and then break it off the hinges. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um... But the, uh, I wonder, do, do folks also provide the, like you were kind of just saying with like the time slip stuff, because I know they'll throw that on the Bigfoot whole scenario as well. Course, yeah. You know, these things just sort of can like quantum shift whenever they feel like it. And and those are the, I, I, there's a term for them and I, I can't remember what it is because if you even think about Sasquatology, um, there are, <laughs> like there's the main branch, which is like, yeah, this Very is a natural scat scatagology or whatever what am i saying right, yeah well they some of them are scatologists which is you know that's how we find you. bigfoot that's how we find bigfoot yeah. um but there's uh there's the main group which is like yes this is a natural animal that you know lives in the wilderness and is yet to be found it's a, it's a, you know the north american uh primate whatever it might be or you know wherever we may find it and then there's the other ones like, nah, it's fucking aliens and ghosts. It's ghost aliens. And like, okay, you're not invited to lunch anymore, Greg. <laughs> yeah, Greg, you got to sit down. I actually mean that literally, that that they, they these like higher up Bigfoot researchers have like private banquets and meetings where they don't invite the other people. <laughs> there's like a guest list where it's like, you must be this level of crazy any further. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, like, they just make us look bad. They're gonna make us look bad, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's oh, what I had. I had, a, I had a couple of lake monsters with with some interesting history to them, and uh, yeah, a predominance of sightings, sightings that go back uh, a long time. Uh, one of my favorite sightings of Storcy, uh, one of the f- one of the first sightings was a <laughs> a woman who said that while she was washing her clothes in the lake, uh, Storcy came and like. I guess just knocked her clothes basket over or was disruptive. So she used her washboard to decapitate the thing. Oh my God. What? And I guess the rest of it like swam back into the like very almost like worm like where the, the two halves are somehow mm-hmm. like still storcy and one of them rotted on the beach one half and then the other half another good show title. Still storcy. Yes, exactly. Oh, um, that that would be a good sitcom. Just uh, different lake monsters, and you have the the in, the title intro where it's just freeze framing on different lake monsters with their flippers <laughs> under their chins, just <laughs> doing little cute, yeah. Oh, jeez. Profile pics, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, and also starring Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah, I'm here too. You rag? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's, like, trying to bring all the monsters their, like, lunches, but they're, like, falling out of his hands and stuff. He's like, guys, wait up. Come on. Bigfoot, I said no mustard. <laughs> yeah, mustard. He's doing the Patterson Gimlin look over his shoulder, but he's just kind of smiling at the camera and freeze frame <laughs> yeah. in there. Yeah, and the audience laughs and claps. He's fan favorite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's the fan. He's the... <laughs> exactly. He's a little problematic in person, but the, the network's like, nah, he brings in ratings. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, this is a pitch-worthy premise. Should probably option it. Yeah, TM that. Yeah, all copyright uh, to both <laughs> Super Duper Decisions yeah. and Monster Crush. Well, that's very cool, Derek. I, I actually I enjoy that very much. I loved the lore attached to those stories as well. And yeah, that was a fun 
a very fun angle on it because I was thinking when you said lake monsters, I was like, okay, let's, I'm going to look up in advance what kind of stuff lives in Scandinavia that could be an explanation. But like, yeah, I think your lots of stuff. Your <laughs> take on it is, but your take on it has been is, is particularly interesting and and a little bit more. Uh, it brings more color to to it than we normally would. Because yeah, well, our, you guys ever heard of uh, tulpas? Yeah, familiar with that term? Tulpas. I'm I'm not, but refresh me if I have heard it and forgotten it. A tulpa is um, it's a term that comes from uh, Tibetan Buddhist uh, mythology okay. and, and religion. It is a thought creation. It, it's mm. it's almost like uh, linked to uh, mass hallucination or mass hysteria, mm. if you want to call it that. But it is the concept that your thoughts can bring something into reality. Mm-hmm. And some people take that in a literal sense, mm-hmm. and some people take that in a figurative sense. Like, you could argue that Superman is a tulpa because it was a thought that has been brought into reality and through, you know, Henry Cavill and every actor who's played him and comics and television and everything else. It, it is something that has become real, which was born from a thought. Right. And a lot of people say that monsters, the, the cryptids uh, that we, we see in the world, are versions of tulpas that that we've created these with our minds and once again some people say that literally that if enough people believe in something it becomes real right um and some people you know they, they adhere to this belief in that um it's kind of the the foundation of the secret if you're familiar with that mm-hmm. you know the self-ideation mm-hmm. and if you mm-hmm. believe something hard enough it'll come true mm-hmm. but then other people are like oh you know it's it also ties into a lot of what you guys talk about, where people are, are kind of mentally groomed to believe a certain thing. Cultural priming. It's a powerful thing. Exactly. Priming. So that if you believe there's a lake monster and you see a log, you hmm. might see a lake monster. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It is. Uh, it sounds all so simple, and yet uh, we do this all the darn time. Our brains are designed to... Uh, you shorthand where possible. So we do. I did see. Uh, I saw another documentary recently about Loch Ness, where the film crew like got a miniature submarine uh, toy and attached just a, a black like plastic rod to it. And when a whole group of people were standing around one of the tour guides around Loch Ness, they had the the toy submarine like raise up just a little bit. So there's just there's literally just a black stick, just straight pole sticking out of What's the water. What's the dimension we're talking here? Are we talking three to four feet or are we talking like two to three inches? It's it's probably Only one or the other out of the water. <laughs> okay. it's, it's not significant at all. Right. OK. And it's close too. I mean, this is. In the shallows, practically, yeah. Yeah, so so they go up to people afterwards, and you know, people see it. They point it out and everything, and they're like, "What do you What do you think that was?" And everybody's like, "Oh, I, I think it was it was probably just you know Nessie's breathing tube, or uh, maybe you know one of Nessie's babies." And like they they go up to this kid who's like running down this hill essentially, and he's out of breath, and they're like, "Are you okay?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm fine. I, I thought I saw Nessie, but..." It wasn't, but <laughs> Whoa. I, I know Nessie's real. I, I, I firmly believe that. So they got and, him pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> this poor kid. And to be fair, it, that would have been me. He visibly <laughs> peed his pants. Would have been me. Uh, yeah, I didn't run very fast as a kid, but if I thought I was seeing Nessie, I, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a run for your life situation if you're thinking it's happening. Yeah, but no, everybody there was like, oh, it was probably, nobody said like, ah, eh, it was probably trash, or why are you filming me? Everybody right. was like, oh, no, it had, had to be something with Nessie, nudge, nudge. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, so all these people are, are primed to believe something, and it is what it is. 
Mm-hmm. So wrap this cool. up. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. It's true. That's ultimately, where we land most episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, I will take us away. Have you guys heard of the? Before I dive in, Norwegian spiral anomaly. No, I don't think I have. Before you go on at all, I need to know what is your Zoom background right now? Is it a cake album cover? What is this? Uh, my background is. Just some guy with a bunch of zigzag lines going through him that I thought would be fun to just throw up there and forgot I had it. But where and then when it I saw it was from? there, I was like, okay, we're going to leave it. I have others as well. It's like a great 50s infographic for like, yeah. I don't know, like laser beams or something. Yeah. Like, this is what the commies were doing to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Microwave damage in the 50s. Jake, you have a lovely background, by the way. That is oh, a very you. nice area you're in. Well, thank you. It's he my living he room. used the nice apartment <laughs> JPEG <laughs> folder. Yours is looking like ready to live stream or something. That looks great. Yeah, it's yours all... is very well curated looking. Yeah, this background. is this is my nerd space. And I, I do, you know, I do stuff on Twitch. So. Uh, oh, yeah, cool. I am staring at a, a, a wall, which is the, the opposite, <laughs> this, the part that nobody sees. It's like covered in like stains and like laundry. <laughs> it's the bad area. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it looks, it, looks, it looks very nice, very professional. My, my room, as you'll not see, is just boring. <laughs> um, but yes, that is what you're looking at there. My apologies, and you're so welcome. So allow me to share screen. <laughs> Explain what you're seeing as you watch Okay. And you um, can watch it a number of times. It's a relatively brief video. Okay. Yeah, so maybe night sky, maybe late evening. There, there seems to be some light towards the bottom, kind of a black uh, mountainous ridge at the bottom. And then it almost looks like... Uh, chemtrails no it, it looks it kind of looks like a uh just swirly smoke making a nice spiral i guess yeah it just it keeps it almost looks like maybe it's it's a plane that you can't see with the, you know the the vapor coming out of the back but then it continues to spiral in a way that an aircraft couldn't mm-hmm. and gets to the point where you can't really tell what's inside or out it, it it's Kind of almost creating an optical illusion. It has the the spiral of almost like the the hypnosis spiral thing going on. It's very perfect concentric sort of uh, spiraling rings. Yeah, it is, and it continues, and it almost has like a portal uh, kind of thing going on to it, where it, it looks like there is a deeper part uh, and a, a shallower part that you could you could go into or come from uh, this spiral, and then just dissipates after. About uh, about a minute, almost mm-hmm. on the dot. This is sped up. This took about ten minutes, but carry okay. on. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but we you're watching right. in real time, Wyatt. Come on, this is real time. <laughs> sit here for ten minutes and watch yeah. the smoky spiral. Look at this go. <laughs> and um, it's kind of hard to see in this video. There is also a blue kind of trail that the rest of the spiral emanates from. But very well described. That's exactly what many many folks saw over Norway in 2009, in the winter of 2009. This is a strange light phenomenon, both Norway and Sweden. So many folks saw this from a great distance. Looks like something straight out of a sci-fi movie. Blue beam of light moving through the sky as a grayish spiral emanates in a perfectly clean, curved radius out. Uh, Naturally, Hundreds of calls flooded the Norwegian Meteorological Institute as residents demanded to know what they were seeing. Norwegian celebrity astronomer Newt Jørgen Rud 
Odegaard. Celebrity astronomer. Yeah, we, we all know him. Right, yeah. Uh, I, I will say, actually, um, that is that is a clear cultural difference where if this had happened in America, everybody immediately calls the police. But Norwegians <laughs> like, no, let's it's in the sky. Yeah. It's, let's call the Meteorological Society. They're the experts. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. We don't want it shot at. We want to know what it is. I was just going to say, shoot this fucking thing out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> but right, he points out... At the very least, the area over which this light had been observed was exceptionally large, covering all of northern Norway and Trondelag, if I'm even pronouncing that correctly. So, That's a fun word. Where's the flux, was it? Something Jake will get, no one else. Uh, should I read the handful of things I have here, or do you guys want to guess first? You probably will guess it right anyway, but... This is by design a brief segment, so enjoy. <laughs> um, I will say just real quick, I am glad that you mentioned that it was sped up because my immediate thought was, who the hell just had their phone ready to go in like a, a, a minute span yeah. and somebody's like, I was like, oh, well, this is clearly staged if they're just standing yeah. here for it. But now I'm thinking, congratulations to that person for standing that still for 10 minutes yeah. to record that thing. <laughs> This is before phone mounts were invented as well. Yeah. They had to stand that still. There yeah. was no... Wasn't on a camera on a tripod. That was just straight up skill. The rest uh, of them is like shaking all over the place. <laughs> uh, but yeah, guesses or shall I just jump into... I think it's Eliab's. Eliab's. It's a pretty good guess. Yeah, uh, I think it is probably troll smoke signals. Um, I'm surprised that we've we've gotten through Scandinavia and we haven't described or discussed uh, trolls or no one has or brought up folk or troll. Uh, right. Correct. You're both right. Um, but I'll go through these <laughs> troll three. aliens. Yeah. <laughs> troll aliens, if you will. Uh, it was first suggested as a rare, never before seen variant of the Northern Lights, which huh. for anyone out there who has somehow forgotten the so-called Northern Lights, a.k.a. Aurora Borealis, Result from disturbances in Earth's magnetosphere from solar wind. So essentially charged particles crashing into our upper atmosphere ionizes bits up there, causing fun, glowing, swirly, wavy, otherworldly light shows. At this time of the year in this part of the country, localized <laughs> yeah, exactly. entirely into a spiral shape. <laughs> um, but the spiral in question was just so damn clean, brief, and localized. So, almost laughably unlikely. Number two, as you guys already guessed, the real one. Certain other kinds of enthusiasts offered that the spiral was evidence of, and we can all say it on the same time, on three, one, two, three. Trolls. Extraterrestrial Trolls. intelligence, yeah. correct. So, something <laughs> <Dragons>. like a... <laughs> dragons. Uh, troll, dragon, troll, dragon riding, troll, extraterrestrials. I need that for my next <laughs> D&D campaign. Hold on, let me yeah. grab a pen. <laughs> Close the spiral. Something like a partially opened wormhole, which, based on what we've seen in movies, is exactly what this looks like. <laughs> um, this is what it will look like when it happens. We know because the movies. <laughs> the movies told us. They're just testing it out in Norway. We all know that the aliens are going to invade you know, New York, Los Angeles, or Washington, D.C. <laughs> Norway's <laughs> fine. Yeah. Um, let me see. They also offered it could have also been linked to the high-energy experiments underway at the Large Hadron Collider in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because of course it was. It happens. <laughs> I feel like there's people who are like, uh, I dropped my, my coffee this morning from Starbucks, which maybe is in Norway. It's probably the Large Hadron Collider's fault. Yeah, exactly. Cern. They opened a tiny little black hole that pulled it out of my hands. <laughs> Damn them. 
Um, important to note that while wormholes theoretically are consistent with the general theory of relativity, aka how how things work works, <laughs> they are outside of movies and conceptual imagery yet to be really seen as a, a physical proof. So mm. there's they're they're mostly conceptual thing. And third, on the tenth of December, the very next day, I didn't mention this was on December nine, but there you have it. Well, that totally changes my theory about what it was. Oh, shit. Do you want to, do you want to give it a... All right, go for it. Hold on. Did you say December 9th? Oh, jeez. Cha- it changes everything. It's true. <laughs> this was obviously uh, Sant- Santa Claus's uh, sleigh going haywire. Santa Claus? Yeah. Santa Claus? This was Krampus. Krampus, yeah. Krampus died this night. <laughs> um, the Russian Defense Ministry suggested a Bulava missile test had failed. According to the spokesman, the missile's first two stages worked as normal, but there was a technical malfunction at the third stage of the trajectory. In Norway, expert witnesses such as Paul Brekka, or Brecki, I'm not sure, senior Paul, Paul breakfast in Australia, uh, senior advisor at the Norwegian Space Center, Dramansvin, already suspected as much. When we looked at the videos, he says, people submitted to the media, we quickly concluded that it looked like a rocket or missile out of control, thus the spiraling effect. I think this is the first time we have seen such a display from a launch failure. Honestly, that's one of the best endings that could probably come from a failed, from a, yeah. a faulty Russian missile. Is <laughs> Nobody died and we got a cool video out of it. Indeed, let's, my let's friend. Take that for what it is. My very next bit here is that, unfortunately for Russia, and frankly, to the great fortune of the rest of the entire world, the Bulava project was a huge shit show for Russia. The Bulava missile was designed to carry six individually targeted nuclear warheads. Oh, no. Holy shit, that's so many. Over a range of up to 6,200 miles, a.k.a. 10,000 kilometers. According to the BBC, the missile had been touted as Russia's newest technological breakthrough to support its nuclear deterrent, but... Guys, spiral... we could kill the whole world in one missile. Yeah. <laughs> we could even blow ourselves up while we're at it. Who cares? I just feel like there's there were like two higher-ups in the Russian government going like, how many nuclear warheads is too many? Uh, you think seven? Seven's too many. Five nine. is too few. No, 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 no. We got it off at six. S- six is good number. Six is good number. <laughs> Perfect number. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and believe it or not, this spiraling catastrophe marked the 14th failure in a series of tests. Oh, no. <laughs> and Every number you say is too much. It's too many warheads. Mm-hmm. It goes so too much. far. That's too many failures. <laughs> And all of these tests, they were live. So there are just warheads everywhere now. Just kidding. This is a joke. Oh, okay. I believed it because why not? <laughs> why not? Why not? Right? We got to test it for One real. One of those rocket scientists has that quote from Edison, which is like, I had, I had a thousand, you know, things that weren't a light bulb, but only one that was. He's yeah. like, 14. All right. We're still yeah. going. <laughs> 14 times we failed to blow up the entire Earth. The 15th time, well. <laughs> um, so, right. Russia kind of pooched it but thank God. And also, here's one more video for you guys to enjoy. Kudos to Doug Ellison from unmannedspaceflight.com, who, on the 9th, almost immediately after news broke of the spiral, created a gracefully simple video showing what happens to a fuel-propelled object when it's in a so-called tumbling stage, throwing out unspent fuel in two directions. 
he was right on the money with this and gets it done in about 40 seconds. And this was very much before Russia fessed up. It's like a little cube marshmallow. Just Oh, yeah, he, <laughs> he got it right on. Yeah, it's great. And very nice 3D animation showing it from more than one perspective. So you can see, oh, this is what it would look like from one angle. And this is what would be actually happening behind it. And this is how that would end up coming out in the video. And it's it's just yeah. exactly Are that. These you get the, the graphics white... like from the new PS5? Is this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. The, uh, well, the wait and the competition 95. is over. Microsoft can see itself out the door. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there you have it. The Norwegian Spiral Anomaly. Yeah, he had that just right on good for good good job doug yeah doug ellison doing the work so there you go kept it short and sweet because i figured we'd be chitting chatting and everything in between Mm -hmm. you have one extra person this time (laughs) who who likes to talk oh that's great i love hearing you guys describe this stuff once again we are we are (laughs) not that scientific on monster crush um we need to believe so uh, i I love love hearing the descriptions on stuff and the stuff that is paranormal that isn't monsters because we don't touch on that too much i think the first episode that i did was about supernatural locations which Mm, was kind of uh fun where we talk about skimwalker ranch a lot which is absolutely insane Mm. um so if you guys haven't done an episode on skimwalker ranch i highly recommend that, not Skywalker Ranch, that's something else. Just a lot of Luke's crawling around, jabbering. It's just George night. Lucas in a golf cart, just <laughs> mumbling about the prequels. Yeah, I was going to say, Jar Jar's very important for this scene. He's very important. We need him to be in the scene. But uh, yeah, that is a very fun and satisfying conclusion to uh, our last episode of August. Everyone together now. Around, around the world. world. Around the world. There it is. Okay. There it is. <laughs> Yeah, so thanks so much for joining us, Derek. That was fantastic. Thank you for having me. Remind us again where we can find you. Yeah, if you uh, enjoyed anything that I did at all, or if you want to hear more of these <laughs> lovely gentlemen, uh, check out Monster Crush. It is wherever podcasts are found, of course. Once again, it is a show where my, uh, me and my uh, lovely, lovely co-host, Heavenly, talk about different monsters, and whether they'd be good on dates, and whether they deserve a smooch. So, yeah, <laughs> these, these gentlemen are going to have some monsters thrown at them uh from what i've heard heavenly did not tell me what monsters uh she has so far picked but she always has some great picks for you <laughs> what if she um, picks so- us though <laughs> <laughs> just just to prime you guys i have to ask would you guys fuck storcy hell yeah man it's like a body pillow and a half <laughs> you're ready you're, you're good to go jake i heard nothing from you um i, I was trying deeper to- more carnal feelings <laughs> 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 I, I'm sorry. I used I used the F word. Jake, would you would you love Storcy? I would make fuck to Storcy. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. You guys, yeah, you're ready. You're ready for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it can ready. only go. It can only go bad from here. <laughs> yes, excellent. Another motto to live by. And mm. on that note, goodbye. 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 goodbye.